0: Welcome back to the Siding Lap podcast, where we give you an insight into the world of motorcycle racing. Well, I think we should just jump into this week's episode. Race week has finally been round one of the MotoGP Championship in Qatar. I don't even know where to start, so I think the best place to start surely has to be with the Moto3 class. Okay, so I think the best place to start is on Friday, the first day that the bikes are out on track. Now, for me, the Moto 3 was a wee bit uneventful on Friday with free practice. I think the most noticeable thing being that Izan Guevara broke his chain in free practice too, was it? And then he came into the pits and got his bike fixed and then went out and put in the fastest time. So Friday was looking good for the likes of Izan Guevara, Dennis Foggia, Sergio Garcia, Jamie Masia, you know, all the, the big names that we sort of expected. What do you, you guys any thoughts on, on Friday?
1: I thought that Mino and Zura also did very well on Friday because both of them were in the top 10, I think, for one session at least. <laughs> Something <laughs> and, along those lines. <laughs> yeah. Bristol or CF Moto also had. Uh, Tatai was doing really well. I think yeah. it was in P4 at one point so yeah
2: yeah I'm um, literally supremacy at this point <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: so happy he got a job in Moto3 because I really like the guy yeah so definitely great to see him I think yeah I don't know maybe it's just because I'm never really a big fan of Friday free practices I know obviously they're important and the riders need them and you know it's good time on the bike sort of thing but for me personally it's all about Saturday and Sunday but I didn't get to see Saturday any of it because I was at work so you guys were, were my sources basically to find out what happened on Saturday so Saturday was definitely a bit more eventful in the Moto3 with qualifying.
1: Certainly yeah. It started off that there was very limited vision because the track was so dusty you could barely see far enough to make out the corners Yeah, Yeah,
2: when I switched on the stream, it was very weird because you couldn't really see a lot. They just had to zoom in on the bikes Mm. so you could see anything, and I just remember Ana Carrasco being on screen a lot. I don't know, but I felt like they really focused on her at times, which I liked. Um, she also did pretty well i guess i mean it was only p23 Mm -hmm. but she let some guys she had some guys behind her
1: so go her (laughs) (laughs) i think they focused so much on her because she also had a mechanical issue in fp3 where she had to wheel back the bike into the pit lane
2: oh she did I i didn't
1: see that yeah it wasn't they didn't pay much attention to it
0: during the stream I think but it happened (laughs) I completely missed that see when you don't get to watch it you just I felt so out of touch on Saturday and then I think as well from what I was hearing on Saturday evening then there was a lot of irresponsible writing because my dad and I were having a bit of a conversation then later on in the day because he could watch it and he was sort of like there was quite a few writers out there that he was quite disappointed with in terms of irresponsible riding especially after the last year that we've had and the amount of penalties that have been given out in this Moto3 class and then I guess first thing on Sunday morning those penalties eventually did come for Izan Guevara, Dennis Foggia and Tatsuki Suzuki now Izan Guevara was on pole or was meant to be on pole and I was ecstatic for him but then me too yeah the penalties came in And I was like oh dear and I did watch some replays to sort of have a look at what was going on and for me personally I don't think the penalties were harsh enough in my sense now I know they started from the back of the grade Dennis Foggia had two long lap penalties to take I think the other ones only had one long lap to take but when you see that Dennis Onshu got a penalty in Kota for weaving or was it that race yeah. yeah, it was where he caused the big crash. You yeah, might, and he, you know, got he got a two-race ban. I know, obviously, a massive crash was caused, and in this sense of qualifying, there wasn't a big massive crash caused, but it's not good that the season has started with no, an definitely not penalty.
1: Yeah, but I think that's the big problem in especially motor three. They want to be harsher in the penalties
0: yeah the the penalties need to be harsh enough so that Mm -hmm. the riders know the magnitude of what they've done they need to realize that what they are doing although it may not have caused anything bad it could cause something bad and they need to be taught this now so that they don't move up the classes and end up doing something on a much stronger bike that could cause serious harm and for the likes of Dennis Fodger who's been in this class for a few years now to be doing irresponsible riding and such I just left a wee bit of a taste, mm. I should say
2: I just remember seeing it like when they all went down I think it was the straight and they started swerving and I just screamed I was like what the frick are you doing <laughs> it looked so dangerous and I thought someone was gonna crash into another one and go flying all over the place like yeah. It was such a weird thing. And I mean, I obviously was gutted for Isan Guevara, who's also my basically number one in Moto3 fantasy. Yeah. So I was hyped for him to get pole. But then uh, I obviously thought that the penalty was fair. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe should have been harsher, but yeah. it was... You deserved one, Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, so it was obviously kind of kind of gutted to see them ruin their own race with irresponsible riding and I mean he did pretty well in the end I think he finished eighth Fogger finished seventh even though he got two long laps um so you can see they have the talent and they can work their way up like from the back of the grid but obviously it would have probably been better hadn't they taken
0: the irresponsible yeah. riding Yeah. And I think you're mentioning that they had started from the back of the grid. They had long lap penalties, yet they still managed to finish eighth and seventh. In my head, that just doesn't add up. It should not be possible to be given such a penalty, but yet still finish within the top 10. Now, I know we've seen it before Pedro Costa, rookie wonder, started from pit lane and, and still managed to win the race. These penalties need to be so harsh that they don't get, not that I want to ruin their race completely, but the fact that they were still able to get so high up. And honestly, I could have seen Foggia getting even further up. But I don't know. It's something I could talk about for a very, very long time that I just, I don't really understand it. I think the worst part is that they didn't even get
1: a penalty for weaving but when they exited pit lane with only two minutes mm-hmm. on the clock, they, there were a lot of riders on fast laps. And they basically ruined the laps for at least six other riders. Yeah. And that's why they got a penalty. Maybe Foggia got the double long lap penalty for the weaving as well. But that would only add one long lap for weaving. And mm, I'm not happy about that.
2: Yeah yeah it was it was just a mess and if we like if we we're talking about the pit lane exit i think it was motor 3 where they just were lined up and their team was basically holding them back like so many riders i can't even name all of them because it was i don't know 10 guys and they were just standing there waiting to get out on track and they all waited for someone else to make the move first so they could get in the slipstream, obviously. But then they all were let out at the same time. The other bulk of riders went through like the, the straight. Mm-hmm. So when they exited the pit lane, all the riders were there. And I'm just thinking, how irresponsible can the teams be yeah. to put their riders out at the exact time they know the other ones are coming down the straight what are you
0: doing yeah I think that I know we can put a lot of blame onto the riders and they're young and we always say Moodle 3 it's a bit responsible but I think that does really highlight the point of what the hell were the teams thinking in that sense like it was a bit crazy
1: there that's in Formula 1 but there are penalties for if the teams release the drivers in a situation where they shouldn't have where they get monetary fines and i think that's something they should also maybe introduce in moto gp moto 3 moto 2 whatever it doesn't make a big difference i think for the
0: teams in the end but it's still more than they're doing right now yeah definitely but i think as much as it's a topic we could probably go on for hours about i think we need to move on to a bit of heartbreak that happened for Ayumi Suzaki this weekend. Now, because Izan Guevara was given his penalty, Suzaki was then on pole position for Sunday's race. And he had an absolute masterclass race until the very end when mm. something happened. I don't, I still can't really explain it. I've watched it back so many times, but he was about to have a big crash. He managed to save it. And the body of his bike just like popped open and mechanical issue straight away. He knew he had to slow down and it just ruined his race. That was so bad because
2: after the start, he just kind of ran away with it. Mm -hmm. And he was doing so well, putting like this massive gap behind him. And then, as you already mentioned, he tried to save and succeeded in saving a high side. But in the process, I think with his leg, he mm. ripped the, like part of his bike kind of away. Yeah. And then it was on the left-hand side. So whenever he tried to like go down on the left with his bike, like push his bike down, he couldn't because um, it was kind of scratching on the ground. And obviously that cost him so much time that he eventually had to retire. Like it was...
0: It, I'm not expected heartbreaking. <laughs> heartbreaking literally though because i hadn't realized he had initially retired i had seen him dropping back the grid and he'd realized that if he'd continued racing he would have been a danger to those around him and you could see because he sat up as soon as he realized that he wasn't going to be able to continue and he was like letting riders pass waved some past even and then it, it cut to him eventually making it to the pits and he still had his helmet on mind you but i could just see the look in his face the heartbreak really because it was about to be his first Moto3 win and he deserved it he deserved it so much and I'm so heartbroken for him but hopefully with something like this with a setback like that he will come back stronger knowing that he has that potential and that he led the race for so long and like you said he had such a good gap from those behind him and it's something that we actually barely see in Moto3 is that the lead guy makes such a big gap and yeah, I, I do hope that this is the start of a great season for him and that he can overcome this upsetting result and work into creating something great and getting on that podium like he deserves to be. Yeah, that's...
2: Oh, I just... I get just thinking about it because he deserved it so much and it was, like, such a stupid accident. Yeah. Like, it... it, it like in any other situation, it would not have happened. It's like a one in a million yeah. type of things to happen. And I mean, great for Mino because he obviously yep. went <laughs> on to win the race. And good for your fantasy team. <laughs> but so uh, heartbroken yeah, guy I, think, I felt yeah, for
0: him. I think that moves us on perfectly to talk about Andrea Mino, who was in that sort of second group with. Garcia, on and Toba and they were fighting for the rest of the podium places and I, no offence to Andrea Amino, I just didn't think he was going to have it in him, I was like he has Antru and Garcia and Toba, three crazy riders, they will always take the overtaking opportunities when they are there, I was like I just don't see this ending well but if we talk about Suzuki having a masterclass up until his bike problems, Minyu had a masterclass that last lap was incredible he managed to keep Sergio Garcia Dennis Onchi and Kaido Tuba behind him somehow and he went on to take the win and I was lost for words when he went over the line I was just so happy for him and he deserved it because that last lap was stunning it was also
1: so close it was I think Uh, Mino and Sergio, they finished within three hundredths of a second next to each other. I just couldn't believe it because in the last sector, Mino was actually leading by quite a bit more than that. And then he ran wide, not drastically wide, but he ran wide. And to do that on the last corners is very dangerous if you have Sergio Garcia behind you.
0: Yeah, who's who's going to want to make a point after losing out in the championship last season? Like Sergio, obviously, like everyone does, wants to start the season with a bang.
2: I mean, at first, it kind of helped knew that the other three were kind of always overtaking one mm-hmm. another, especially Antu and Toba. I think they switched positions a lot. So that helped him get away. But then in the last lap, Sergio was so close he was so close and i remember the our commentators being like oh this is gonna be a photo finish this is gonna be a photo finish and the race down to the finish line and i i didn't know who was going to win like it was until the last second you were like oh is sergio going to do it is he going to overtake minio on the like last few centimeters of this track Uh, but he didn't but it was a great race
0: no yeah it wouldn't be the first time we've seen a photo finish at Qatar but I think another thing to mention was how clean the racing was in Moto3 now yes we did talk about penalties and stuff on Saturday but do you know on Sunday it was nice to actually watch a race where I I would say it was clean racing there wasn't Too much drama. No one was fighting each other in the gravel trap this year. So (laughs) that has to be a good start to the season, especially from the likes of Antu, who we know sometimes he can get a wee bit hot-headed, take riders off, have silly crashes. You know, John McPhee was up there as well, and he was having a great race too. It was really nice to see him up there as well. But yeah, it it was a good, clean Moto3 race, uh, even from the guys who had to start from the back and had to carve their way up the grid. You know, there was no stupid moves, and it was good Clean racing, which hopefully is an improvement on the Moto3 class.
1: I mean Suzuki, uh, yeah, Suzuki took out Falon, I think, and Sergio crashed out. Also, someone. Well, the
0: thing about the Sergio one, one, I'm I'm taking the Sergio one with a pinch of salt because the BT Sport commentators. Said that it. Was oh, he a took out Yeah, they said it was a racing incident. They were like, mm, "It's a bit harsh that he gets a penalty," and I would have to agree with them on that sense. I might be a wee bit controversial in saying about great clean racing, but yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of people going into the corner at the same time. Yeah, that's I was a bit disappointed because I was eyeing up Tatai to make my change in the fantasy league <laughs> and I wanted to see how he does this race for like yeah making well, up I think, my mind on it
0: I think a big one actually maybe maybe the racing wasn't as clean as I thought it was but uh, Jamie Messi also sort of got pushed wide a little bit there was no contact oh, made as yeah. far as I'm aware but it did cause him to have a bit of a, a weird crash and unfortunately then obviously he had to retire from the race but I uh, it's Mm, a lot cleaner than it usually is so can we count that as a clean race
1: (laughs) yeah I think we've seen worse
0: yeah
2: (laughs) yeah we've definitely seen worse in Moto3 and I think it was it was pretty tame yeah it was especially since like Sasaki was kind of running away with the race for so many laps there was not not really a fight for the number one position which kind of calmed it down a bit i think i don't know if that makes sense to you yeah yeah the only thing well garcia kind of being responsible Mm. for the tartar crash which he he, i don't think he was well he was obviously involved but it was a racing incident like yeah at the end i thought or let's say the german commentators thought artigas crashed And I was like, no, not Javi, not him. (laughs) Um, But then it ended up being Tata. Yeah. I was like, oh God, poor guy. But I think it happens. Yeah.
0: I think as well, before we move on, special mention to some of the rookies. Now, especially want to give a shout out for the Vision Track Um, two rookies, which is Scott Ogden and Josh Watley. Now, I know that, Scott unfortunately crashed out of the race but those two were having a great weekend up until obviously Scott's crash but I think he has a lot to take away from this weekend and I'm really excited to see both of them on track any other rookies catch your eyes I want to mention
2: um Moreira
1: Mm -hmm. because (laughs) I
2: thought he was
0: fantastic
2: yeah he was fantastic finished sixth just like just behind McPhee great race and also Ortola Mm -hmm. yeah I also think I mean he dropped down from seventh to what was it 11th so he finished lower than he qualified but still I think great race by him
1: since you picked all the rookies that I wanted to say (laughs) I think Calso also had a good race yeah oh yeah he finished inside the points which not many people thought about I think yeah, yeah. and he also did pretty well in practice sessions and qualifying as well so I have one question
2: do you think Holgado finished 16th because he's still struggling with his leg or do you think he doesn't have it in him leg
0: it- <laughs> I don't know I almost forgot about him if I'm gonna be completely honest (laughs) in the reins because I was so invested and I suppose we didn't get to see much of him either I was so invested in what was going on at the front but I think those KTMs are good bikes and I think honestly if he was at full fitness he would have been up within the top 10 definitely I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt that the injury is still plaguing him for sure I'm not sure if I would
1: give him a top 10 finish right now but at the same time they are all overshadowed by Pedro's success last yeah. year everyone is expecting so much out of these rookies even though it's their first race in the in the highest like motorcycle racing categories
0: yeah I don't know I I, I do think that people do have this expectation but the BT Sport commentators were even putting that expectation on Dennis Foggia who's been in the class for years they were going oh, can he win from the back of the grid? Pedro can do it. Let's see what Dennis can do. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I was like, no one can do it. How Pedro did it. And I think the comparisons need to stop now because Pedro has moved on. He's in Moodle two. Let these boys race how they want the race. It's not about Pedro Acosta anymore.
2: Pedro kind of ruined it for all of the guys. Yeah. The category. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they are <uttered> under <laughs> so much pressure just because some guy... Some rookie won it all and was so good that they had to just sit back and watch. And now all of those expectations uh, that were on Pendo <laughs> are now on the rest of the class. And the, the guys are just like, well, we are not
0: a Costa. What the <laughs>
2: fuck are we supposed yeah. to do? <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> literally, literally. No, I... I um, Moodle Shall we talk about yeah, it? Yeah, let's move on to Moto <laughs> 2. I have a lot to say about Moto well, 2. Well, <laughs> this is what I was just about to say. If we move on to the Moto 2 class, VR46, what a team. This VR46 Riders Academy is producing some of the top riders in the world because Celestino Vietti, masterclass, wonder class, I don't know what you want to call it. Like, wow. Vietti Honestly, was incredible. First season without Vale,
2: like in the category, obviously, like not Moto2, MotoGP category, um, but he keeps winning. Yeah, <laughs> like his his academy is it just keeps winning. His legacy lives on. It's in good hands, obviously, uh, with Vietti winning that race. I mean, he started from pole had an incredible start and he ran with it he was he finished what Sazaki couldn't finish
0: I was having like a panic throughout the whole race because I was like oh my god what if something happens to Vietti like it did to Sazaki like I was honestly on the edge of my seat for the whole race because of what happened in the race prior I was like please for the love of god let Vietti finish this race because he deserved it just as much as Sasaki did in Moto3. Yeah. He was on pole, he got the start of a lifetime and he was just able to keep that gap at the front the whole time.
2: Although I have to admit I kind of as at one point I stopped caring about Vietti in front because obviously Aaron Canet managed To go from ninth to second um, on the first, like right after the start. And from then on, my heart was with him in P2. I was like, boy, please, please don't crash on me. And please just keep your position. I mean, I knew he wouldn't catch up to Vietti because that guy just ran away um but he did so well Aaron did so well and he finished second and I was ecstatic so happy for (sighs) him
0: yeah no I I am chuffed as well to see him up on the podium I'm glad that he had a really really good start to this season I think there was a point where I was sort of like god I hope Vieti finishes this race but then in another thought I was like oh my god though if Aaron cannot wins we're gonna get to know the bow tie story But just it wasn't meant to be, and I was I was a wee bit upset about it actually. (laughs) I want
2: to know about that story so bad, but I know it's coming. Oh yeah. He started this season with a P2, and if he manages to stay completely healthy, we will see him win. We will. I have no doubt about it. For sure. Also Another guy I want to mention who did incredibly well,
0: especially compared to last season, Tony Arbolino. Oh, I was hoping someone would bring him up because (laughs) on Friday and Saturday, I have to say both of the Mark VDS guys were not giving me much hope. Now, obviously, Sam Lowe's has an injury, an awful, awful injury with his wrist and a lot of like tendonitis sort of stuff. And he's been struggling. And Tony was sort of, Falling in and around tenth and eleventh place with Sam and I was like, "Oh no, this isn't going to go well." And then I come home on Saturday and find out that Sam was meant to be on pole. Unfortunately, his lap got taken away from him, and Tony was in second. And I was like, "This is a dream situation for me and the Mark VDS team." I'm a big fan of both of those riders, but especially Tony. I was worried because he had been very midfield last year. And I was like, well, how's, the, how's he going to deal with the pressure of being up at the front on Sunday? And he dealt with it so well. It was a fantastic race from him. I
2: think it was his best Moto2 race ever, like, yeah. so far. You have to kind of think about that. He obviously had his Moto2 rookie season last season. I think it was his first one, right? Okay. And he was also with moto GP. And I don't want to slam Intak Moto GP because they're a German team. I like them. I love Marcel Schröter. but it obviously did not match at all with Arbolino. Mm-hmm. He constantly was in, I don't know, 14th, 18th. Yeah. He struggled so bad. And seeing him apparently finding the groove with the Mark VDS team made me so happy. He dealt with the pressure, and I mean, he finished fifth, which I think is an absolutely
0: incredible result for him. And he was happy. You could yeah. see it in his face. Did you see him after the race? They showed yeah. clips of him, and he looked very, very happy with himself and the team, which confidence yeah. is back. Yeah,
2: exactly. It is back. And Sam Lowe's also congratulated him. I like, I think it was in the interview, the P3 interview, and Sam briefly talked about himself and was like, I'm happy about this. But I want to mention Tony, who finished fifth. And I, I just think they have a great dynamic. Absolutely love this team. And I would not be mad about uh, Canet, Vietti, and Arbolino, maybe even Lowe's like
0: championship fight I hope so please I would let love it, it happen because the way that race went unbelievable but I think someone else that I would like to be up there in fact I have two people that I want to be up there Pedro Acosta and Jake Dixon what happened to them they both had terrible starts and I mean god awful terrible starts <laughs> because me, Aldeguer went wide and caused both of them to drop back I mean Pedro was nearly in last place Jake ended up P20 I think and both of those riders had shown so much potential over Friday and Saturday that I was really hoping that they both could have got good starts to have seen them in the top 10 but nonetheless both of those riders had fantastic races carving their way up the field. At
2: one point our commentator said that that could not have gotten anything more wrong than it did for Pedro Acosta and it was I mean I like Fermín Aldeguer and I think he's a fantastic rider I think he like for this being his rookie season I mean he had some races at the end of last season but for this being his like first full season I think he's doing pretty well um but that Going wide just ruined the race for Acosta. It just it was so bad. But I mean, he still got up to what was it, twelfth? Twelfth, yeah. Because yeah.
0: Jake was eleventh. Yeah. Jake was trying to fight down um Marcel Schroeder, who had finished tenth. But unfortunately, Jake just couldn't close that gap on the last lap. And yeah, Pedro was in um twelfth and Which
2: I mean, if you look at it, the whole category is extremely strong. Yeah. So going from the back of the grid to twelfth isn't too bad.
0: No, like <laughs> it's not what he did in Moto three,
2: but no, and I mean I the think, category is very much.
0: Hard. Yeah, I think that pressure needs to be taken off of him because, like I mentioned, obviously every everything that happens in Moto three is now compared to what Pedro managed to do, but now and maybe it was just my commentators, but everything that Pedro did this weekend was compared to Raúl Fernández, who had an incredible Moto2 season in his rookie year. So I feel like a lot of people now are going to be hoping that Pedro can now live up to Raúl Fernández standards or he should be competing better than Raúl did. But like, I think the comparisons need to stop and hopefully they won't continue. And we let him race and we let him ride and he will... I think he will obviously he had a bad start but I think in the next few races we're going to tracks you know outside of Europe they're going to be hard for everyone so I'm hoping he can find the rhythm on the bike and then by the time we get back to Europe tracks we will see the real Pedro Costa for sure I don't doubt it.
2: You kind of have to stop comparing people because first of all it's completely different circumstances mm-hmm. it's different riders on the grades it's just different people. And I mean, Pedro already wrote history with his Moto3 season. He doesn't have to write history in Moto2 right away. For me, it's just whatever he can do, he will do. And if he needs another year to like, he's gonna show his masterclass sooner or later again. And I don't care how many races he will need.
0: Let the guy develop. Yeah. Just let it happen it, the, the, at this, p- point. this This big push that seems to be happening for him, I understand why it's happening. I just don't like seeing it happen. I think he's a fantastic rider. I think he is the next great. You know, we're going to see him winning yes. multiple world championships. But if people keep acting the way that they're acting and comparing him and having these high expectations, it's just, it's it must be horrible for him to hear it I hope he stays out of that you know loop of maybe reading comments on people uh, being like oh we expected more like what a disappointing first race which I have seen comments of and it's like yes. that's just not the way it is you need to let these people ride and do no their job one,
2: or let's say very few people are willing to give this man a break yeah and he is so young and he will have races Where it doesn't go his way. Where it just doesn't work out. I mean, it's probably not even him to blame for that. It's just that it happens. And I don't know. I also hope that he doesn't let the pressure and the expectations get to him. Because he knows he can do it. We know he can do it. It's just a matter of time. It was one bad race. And it was caused. someone else running wide it was causing him him to drop back yeah so
0: it's whatever I think just sort of wrap it up as such the battle for third in Moodle 3 was great and obviously we mentioned that Sam Lowes did get the podium Tony Arbelino was up there fighting in that group. But then we had Augusto Fernandez and Ayagura. Now we know Ayagura is great. He also had a great rookie season last (laughs) year. But I think the biggest news obviously was being Augusto Fernandez's move over to Red Bull KTM. Not going to lie, I expected him to win the race. I don't really know why. Not disappointed in his performance at all because again, it's the first race on a new bike. What can you expect sort of thing? He had a great race. And then the last lap happened and Ayagura and him made contact. Ayagura somehow managed to stay on. But, but, did mean Sam Lewis got on the podium. Augusto got fourth. Tony managed to get fifth and then Ayagura somehow stayed on and got sixth. I think that was a great battle. It was wild because had Augusto not
2: been there, I would have crashed out. He would have been gone, DNF'd, but Augusto basically saved I sacrificed his P3 in the process, let Sam Lowe's go through and yeah. grab that P3. And it was just a mess on the last corner. I, I could not keep up with what was happening. Um, I was just happy my boy Aaron was out of there. He already, he was through with P2. Um, yeah. I also, before we move on, want to mention one other guy, Philip Salaj. Oh my goodness, I know, yes. I know he crashed. And first of all, bit bitter about the medical team taking so long to get to him. He was unconscious. Yeah. Get the guy off the track, please. Whatever you have to do, get him off. We can't have another guy crash and a bike hit him or something. Not going to happen. But he qualified fourth. He qualified fourth. Absolutely love it for him. I've loved him in Moto 3. And I mean, he's a pretty big guy. So moving on to the bigger bikes, I think was a good thing for him because on the Moto 3 bike, he's just a giant. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: yeah. The move, the move was right for him, and I'm very excited. Yes. To see him this season. I think Philip Salac, along with the likes of Pedro Costa, great rookies in this season and definitely people to look out for.
2: So, we just briefly talked about Philip Salah. Um, Great guy, can't wait to see what he can do. Great move for him to go to Moto 2. Um, but I want to talk about someone who has been in Moto 2 for a long time. I think it's his 11th year, Marcel Schrottel, um, who was P3, after the practice sessions, qualified 13th and then finished 10th with a broken hand. And I think it's worth a quick mention because his left hand is broken. He's in a lot of pain, but he somehow managed to still get P10. And I mean, there was a big gap in front of him. I think it was like four or five seconds to Bobier. And then it was a couple of seconds, I don't know, three, four, five, something around that, to Dixon behind him. So he basically was just riding alone, having fun,
1: vibing.
0: With a broken with hand.
1: Broken <laughs> so, I was, yeah. I was actually a bit worried about him because he did cra- crash in Q2 as well. And with his broken hand, that's not ideal. Especially going a race distance as well. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it is quite a long time to stay on the bike.
2: Glad that you mentioned that because I did not watch that particular part of qualifying. I think I was grabbing something to drink or something. Um, just exiting the room real quick, and I came back, and my dad went, "Oh, must have a crash." And I immediately went, no, did he hurt his hand again? And you saw him kind of holding his left wrist close to his chest, um, exiting the track, basically going back to the pit lane. And I was worried and I know texting, like I remember texting you guys about our procedure with our fantasy team. I was like, what do I do if he can't race? And we just said we were going to wait if he is going to start the race or not. And he did. And I was so worried for him. But they kind of modified his um, his bike on the left-hand side. So he wouldn't have as much pressure on his wrist and on his... I don't know what the bone is called. He broke a very specific bone. Um, and... Thank God the team managed to take the pressure off of that because he did
0: pretty well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, It was a great race for Marcel. Sad that Jake couldn't catch him on the last lap, mind you, to get into the top 10, but I'm I'm sure he'll take 11th place. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, I think the last thing that we well that deserves a mention in my eyes has to be that save from barry baltus did you guys see that it was very mark marquez-esque in the way that he managed to to do that but he like was about to slip off the bike was on his way down and just like put his hand down on the ground and was like nope and pushed himself like back up onto the bike is that the best way to describe it it was an incredible save
1: i was feeling I was so happy for him that he saved it because he was running into the into points, and mm-hmm. I really hoped just for that save alone that he will score a couple of points. But yeah, unfortunately, that hope was cra- also crashed when he crashed
0: out on the last yeah. lap. <laughs> I just hope. Unfortunately, yeah, I just hope that he isn't too disheartened by that, and he could maybe take some confidence from saving that first what should have been a crash the first time around and yeah excited to see where where Biobaltis will end up at the end of this season definitely someone to keep our eyes on okay now time for Mudo GP and this week has been a lot I think there was a lot of expectations on a lot of people in this Mudo GP class and all of our predictions were wrong
2: yeah can we start without not without can we start with saying we s- will stop predicting stuff because yeah. we
0: chased <laughs> everyone We literally chased I think everyone. our problem started with the fact that we made our predictions before anyone had actually sat on a motorbike it was about Wednesday or yeah. Thursday and we were like mm, let's get our predictions in early wrong decision. to be fair
1: no to be fair until the race it was
0: our predictions we were, were right <laughs>
1: Yeah, just then the race happened and everything went downhill for our predictions. Should we, should I just start mentioning
0: what, what our, yeah, I think, you know okay. yeah, I mean, for pole position, we all thought it was going to be a Jacali. and it did okay. end up being a Jacali in fairness. Jorge Morton, masterclass just... again. We know he's good. He was on pole here last year. Brilliant. No surprises there. Between us, I think we all picked Jorge Martin or, or Paco. Wasn't that yeah, right? Yeah, Lauren and yeah. I picked
2: yeah. Paco, so we got that wrong. We got that wrong big time. But Anne Carly and Aino picked Jorge Martin, so points to them, I guess. Yeah, props um,
1: to them, Yeah, but that's yeah. the only point I got for it from I him if, this weekend.
0: If we go past Paul... I think we talk about the podium because I think a lot of us were expecting Fabio to sort of get over his issues with Yamaha because every year that Yamaha say they have problems they still come to Qatar and they dominate the race and that was actually, just not the case. I actually didn't. I full on expected them to be
2: bad. I don't want them to be bad but I full, I legitimate, legitimately thought they were going to do bad and they did. So I'm sorry about that.
1: <laughs> I must say a special shout out to I with her podium prediction oh. because she started off strong predicting three people on the podium that ended up in the yeah. gravel.
0: I know yeah, I know if for a bit of context I know predicted that Pekka would win, Jack Miller would be second and Jorge Martin would be third. So if you have not watched the race, please do because all three riders did not finish the race. So for I know it was a bit of a bit of a rubbish prediction. Although Alec, your prediction was Fabio, Pecco, and Jorge. So you also had two people <laughs> not finish the race. I think most of they us also, did. To be oh, honest, as well, well. Yeah, we also had Pecco <laughs> and
2: Jorge. We both <laughs> predicted um, Pecco and Jorge on the podium as well. Didn't happen, obviously, but. Uh, Lauren and I before the race started tweeted that we were that we thought Ineo was going
0: to win and it happened, <laughs> and it happened. I, I just think, I think with that one it was 10 minutes before the race was about to begin and I was tweeting off of our styling laugh um twitter account and I just thought last minute predictions I know we've made predictions but want to see what a few other people have to say about the situation and I was looking at the grid I was actually trying to base it off of results and actual context that we had because obviously we'd had free practice one and qualifying whereas the predictions that we made previously were just made completely blind to the situation so when I picked Inea I, I genuinely did think that he was going to have a great race I think I then picked Jorge and Mark to finish up the podium because two very strong riders I was expecting a lot from them but obviously that did not happen we had a bit of a I'm going to call it a weird podium because who in their right mind would have predicted that Anea Bashanini was going to win the race? Brad Binder was going to be second and Paula Spagaro was going to be third. Like, I don't think anyone could have put money on that, to be honest.
1: I think I need to apologise to Brad Binder (laughs) and that's (laughs) because... In I think it was the season review where it said that Miguel has higher chances of being consistent oh, you did and say finishing that? up on the podium <laughs> and then Miguel <laughs> started the season as he finished last which Badly. is crashing out <laughs> and Brett was on the podium.
0: Oh my goodness yeah so I forgot. I take everything back. I'm sorry Brad Binder. I think a, a big mention a big shout out to pull a now i just thought a lot of riders sometimes have all the talk and you're thinking but he was like this honda is new it's exciting i can control it i can ride it in the way i actually want to ride and oh my god did he do just that now he did make a mistake in the race which obviously cost him the win i think bashanini was going to catch him anyway but what an incredible weekend for Mm -hmm. Paul Spargo, something that I don't think anyone expected. Honda did the homework. Yeah. Honda understood the assignment. (laughs) Yeah,
2: they did. I just wanted to move on to our top and flop predictions because I think I
0: got them.
1: (laughs) I just looked at (laughs)
0: them. Did we know who, yeah, well, okay, top Mm. and flop. Anik, who was your top and who was your flop?
1: I had Alex Rins as my top and to be honest, he didn't crash, which is and he had quite a lot of crashes last season, so that's an improvement. What were they? The
0: both, both Suzuki's, okay. I think, were sixth and seventh. If I'm not wrong, yeah. like, So like yeah. that is not bad. It's not as good as what they <clears throat> wanted, from what I've heard of comments from both riders. But I think we were all a bit,
1: uh, we were hyping up uh, them up too much after yeah. free practice because they did great. <laughs> And then we all thought, oh yeah, they have their their, um, speed on the soft tires figured out and they're doing so well now in qualifying. And then qualifying came around and it didn't go the way they planned, I guess. And then in the race, Juan actually moved up quite a few places. He was in P4 suddenly and then still fell back. So I don't think the Suzuki issue is quite solved yet no. I think Suzuki just
2: Suzuki'd once again you think they solved their problems you think they're going to have it together and then something just goes wrong and you can't really put your finger on it and I remember tweet I'm not the biggest Suzuki fan I'm sorry for everyone out there listening um, who really loves Suzuki I apologize I'm not the biggest Suzuki fan so when they were doing really well, I tweeted, I don't like the Suzuki thing one bit. <laughs> and then the race came and I was like, okay, I'm fine with this.
0: <laughs> so sorry. Yeah, no, I, no, no. well, Alex, Anik picked Alex Riddens, sorry, to be top. I picked Suzuki as a whole to be my top this weekend. I don't know why, don't know how, just it came to me. I was like, Suzuki are going to do well this weekend. I mean, they did do well this weekend, but I think what we've talked about is that as much as, yes, they did do well, sixth and seventh is good. It isn't good enough. Sixth and seventh is not going to win you a championship, and I know it's the first round of the season, but, yeah, Suzuki are going to need to bring a wee bit more to the next races if they're going to want to be up there this year. The Suzuki absolutely was up
2: to speed. It's not a saying. I'm sorry if I... <laughs> uh, with the Ducati, though, yeah, I was it. Was it me and Bastianini? D- don't quite remember who it was, but the Ducati basically was going, and the Suzuki came from behind and caught the Ducati. Oh, it, it flew like, past it. Oh, yeah, no, it was crazy. I
0: didn't oh, see there. that. Yeah, okay. um, that happened on multiple occasions as well. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think Suzuki. Yes good both riders will let us know their honest opinions on the bike too which I suppose it's nice to have that open honesty from them the bike is there both riders are happy with the bike from what I can gather but they are very disappointed with with the result of the weekend I think they both thought they could have been podium contenders
1: definitely I think they're fine but fine is not enough if you're fighting
0: in MotoGP I think on the other I, end of the spectrum, if we go to Suzuki going, Suzuki, well, Suzuki and Honda, I should say, have made that step. They have brought a GP22 bike to the grid. Yamaha, Ducati have not done that. Ducati
2: stresses me out so much because I was rooting for them. I'm still rooting for Peko. I mean, Lauren chose Pecco as her flop of the weekend, and I was offended when I read
0: that, yeah. <laughs> but she was right. I know um, a lot of people with that comment, to be fair. It did
2: not go well.
0: People, a lot of people, most of my family. I'm I'm myself a Pecco Banyaya fan. I do obviously want to see him do well, but for me, the comments that were made at the start of the season, the confusion over what engine was being used in the bike, A lot is starting to come out now that Ducati, well, the riders of Ducati may not be as happy as what we thought coming into this season. Jack Miller and Peko both were very disappointed, obviously, after the race because it seems like both bikes had mechanical problems. Jack had to retire and he went back into the
2: pit lane and they immediately closed their garage. And our commentators were like, something is... Definitely wrong in there. If they close it right away, you have a problem at hand. And yeah, I hope they can fix it. I hope they are allowed to fix it. I hope it's nothing you can't change once the season started. But Ducati is worrying me because I tweeted that. I was like, how is Enea Bastianini the fastest Ducati on the grid? He outran Peko Banyaya, Jack Miller, John Zarco." And Jorge Martin. I mean, the factory must be shaking and quaking right now because what do you do if you're like not even your first satellite team, but a private team? Yeah, your bike outperforms you (laughs) to a degree where they win. I mean, I predicted Bastianini to do well.
0: I was like, he's going to be my top.
2: I think everyone knew
0: he was going to be good, though, because. He, he is. He showed, what, in the last six races of the season, incredible talent. Everyone knows in Bashanini is going to do well. But to beat every other Ducati on the grid could not have predicted that at all. No. no. But I that think was... as well with, with Ducati, I read a comment, a tweet actually from Jeremy McWilliams, who is an ex-Moto GP racer. And he has a very, very good point in saying this, is that why are Ducati trying to fix something that's not broken? Why yeah. did they try and make such advances with their GP22 bike when there is nothing wrong with their GP21 bike? And you can see there's nothing wrong with their GP21 bike because Ineo Bashanini has just won the bloody Qatar GP. Like On that bike. I know that other teams are making steps up and we've said, Suzuki, Honda, these teams have come with great packages for this season. Mm-hmm. But if Ducati had just stuck to what they know, kept the 21 bike, made a few changes here and there I honestly honestly think Ducali would not be in the mess that they're in and then obviously comes all the comments of what bike banyaya was actually riding like I'm still confused as to what engine he's running I think it is a 2022 one it's like a hybrid there's like yeah things on it that are 2021 spec but it is a 2022 engine apparently like that to be the start of the weekend was alarm bells for me and that is why i know i made the predictions obviously that peco wasn't going to do well before the weekend started but to come into friday not really knowing what the hell was going on in the ducati garage i think definitely was the alarm bells ringing for myself and then peco crashed at one point during the weekend and for me something is just not not right down there and then to crash during the race but not only to crash but then to take out jorge martin who is on the Ducati like what a horror weekend for them. Inea Bastianini was the only one saving
2: Ducati yeah. that weekend. There was nothing else good about Ducati but Inea Bastianini. And I have to say the crash shocked me because Pecco is not one to easily crash. No. I mean, we all know he did in Misano. Um that happened, but usually that guy runs like clockwork. He doesn't crash, and for him to crash in the first race of the season, taking out his satellite guy, and did you see that Jorge said he feared for his life because he was squished between two bikes? Did you not see his leathers? His leathers Scary. were like torn open yeah. as well down his leg. Awful. 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 But I'm so happy that the first thing Pecco did was get up go to Jorge and check on him if he's okay. I mean, he immediately apologized. He knew that it was a bad situation, but I'm glad that we don't have this thing in MotoGP, that we have another race categories where there's so much tension between the people that they can't even apologize to each other
0: call them out. You know? Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton crashed into each other <laughs> nearly every bloody round in the Formula One last year and they never once checked on each other and yeah, mm. that is not sportsmanship in my mind and the one good thing that came out of that crash was Pekko and Jorge both showing the utmost respect for each other which yes. is how it should be. They understand, they know and I would be disgusted if it was any other way to be honest. Um,
1: but I mean if you look at it, both of them are just they are great riders, but they also have great personalities. Yeah. If you're looking at it, Jorge, when he was crashed out by Mark in Silverstone, he also took it on the chin, made a pretty funny comment about, um, I hope Mark learns from this, but yeah. he was super understanding <laughs> at the end of the day. And Pego is also, he's not known for
0: being either a dirty rider or yeah. like a bad personality. Everyone's in the paddock. You could take a spin on it. We could make some drive to survive drama here because Pecco has said that he wants Jack Miller to stay in the factory team with him. He doesn't want a new teammate. So confirmed, <laughs> Pecco took out Jorge Martin on purpose. Bye. <laughs> oh, that's but, too but yeah. funny. But yeah, no, we know the guys down at Ducati as well as everyone else on the grid. It's not, there's no nastiness between anyone, even the people who don't get on with each other in this MotoGP grid. Would have the respect to go over to someone after a crash like that and check on them and make sure that they're okay. But moving on from that awful crash, because it's pretty heartbreaking to watch. What about Yamaha? We've spoken about them a few times, but world champion Fabio Cattararo had a bit of a disaster weekend. But in saying that, Frankie Morbidelli, his teammate, did make the comment of not to get worried yet. They need to get back to Europe after these big flyaway trips, the first four rounds, I think get back to Europe, and then they can assess the situation of what's going on. But I am a little bit worried about Yamaha this season.
2: I'm My two big, big worries are Yamaha and Ducati. We talked about Ducati enough, but Yamaha is definitely up there. Um, and I think, I mean, they obviously want to sign Fabio so bad, but he doesn't want to sign – And I get why he doesn't want to, because if they don't manage to give him a bike that's competitive. Did you see that comment about where someone asked him what went wrong and he was like, nothing went wrong. And that's
0: That's the problem. problem. Um, yes, he was talking to Jack Miller in the paddock and someone overheard that conversation. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that's the big problem when you, when everything went right and you still don't get the results you want to get you know you went wrong somewhere and that's exactly the situation at hand they have to fix this or Fabio is gone
0: but not just Fabio in that sense they will lose Frankie Morbidelli as well because Frankie Morbidelli has the potential to win MotoGP championships we know that he was second in the 2020 championship we know that they are both fantastic world-class riders and what I don't understand is On the one hand, we're saying that Ducati is trying to do too much to keep their dominance. Yamaha isn't doing enough for their riders, and it is awful to watch because Fabio looked lost all weekend. It was like, this isn't the same guy who turned up to Qatar last year ready to win the championship. It it stunned me a wee bit, and his comments, yeah, of I don't know what is going on.
2: Uh, at some point they filmed him in the box like very briefly mm. and they immediately panned out again. And I think, I'm not sure, I think he was crying because I think his cheeks were like wet and he was so angry. I think he cried in the box.
0: And how You're I- making cry though. No, I'm going to cry even <laughs> thinking about it. I just, he well, deserves better. I don't know where yeah. he would go if he did move teams. That is something that I'm very unsure about. Whereas with other riders, I can be like, they'd go there and there's rumours. And, you know, finding Fabio Quattara another spot in the grid is something that I struggle to see. Obviously there has to be offers there, but it's, I don't want to see him move from Yamaha because I can see a very long, successful career with Yamaha, but only if they start listening and the factory actually starts producing and making a bike that is going to be competitive because at the minute that bike is like a donkey on a track, like it is That's so crazy. slow. Yeah,
2: I was it bad MotoGP memes. I don't know some meme page <laughs> um showed like they put a picture of Fabio on the scooter with the twenty on it and wrote like the new um was it was it M Yamaha yeah on top. <laughs> and I laughed so hard I felt so bad but that's what it feels like honestly everyone's on a bike and he's on a scooter because what
0: the top speed 12 kilometers slower 12 12 12 he literally I I seen a comparison actually because someone was like 12 kilometers like how much even is that what what are you even thinking and someone compared it to imagine you're standing still and someone comes sprinting past you That is what it feels like to be on the Yamaha on track when those bikes are just flying past you and there's nothing that you can do about it.
2: You know what surprised me a lot? The Aprilia with Alicia Spagaro Um, on it.
0: Aprilia is a a double-ended sword, I think, because Alicia Spagaro, seasoned pro in this class, and slowly but surely becoming one of my favourite riders on the grid. Really? Because yeah fourth place yeah. what a performance he put in on Sunday or I have to call you out no
1: no I have to call you out on right. the comments you've made last time we talked
0: why what did I say
1: <laughs> it's time for him to go it is time for
0: him to go no I agree with that I think at the end of the season it is time for him to go that doesn't <laughs> deny the fact that I am a big fan of him and um, becoming one because I think he has developed the bike enough that a young up-and-coming rider should be on it but here's my other <laughs> end of the double-edged sword maverick vinales where the hell was he nowhere nowhere yeah like but you just really say at least you, at least least really say, at least you just really said alege put in the work and now it's time for him to go yeah, he needs to go no i'm i will say that with my chest and a lot of people will say it and i'm near sure he's even said it himself that i think it is certain that he wants to to end his GP career, but I honestly think he has brought the bike to a place that people can now, like it's going to be a competitive bike, but I don't think it's going to be with Alicia Spagro and Maverick Vinales is what I'm trying to say.
1: I hope we see at least one Alicia window, oh, especially yeah. <laughs> after Maverick's comment where he was asked about if Aprilia is ready to fight for a win and he just flat out said no about it, that was a very weird answer to make. If you're just entered a new team, I mean, yeah, he's almost half a year with them, but if his performance is not there and Aleja is doing so much better than Maverick, I wouldn't just say that Aprilia isn't capable of winning at all
0: I expected Maverick Grinelli to be up there this weekend and I was disappointed in his performance but that comment what I thought and I, I did message you guys about it because I was like that, that comment is not on that is an awful comment to make about this new team that signed you after you got chucked out of your last one like yeah. my dad even said he was like how long is it until he falls out with Aprilia because if anyone's seen his face in the garage over the weekend he was not happy, and Qatar is usually one of Maverick's best tracks in the season. If,
2: if the new MotoGP series coming out is anything like Drive to Survive, they will have a field day with oh, Maverick yeah. Vinales. Yeah. I, I don't know how to explain this, but that guy is followed by drama everywhere.
0: It's just drama. drama is it scene. me? Am I the drama? <laughs> I think Maverick <that laughs> Vinales. Like, yeah. No. <laughs> I for now is, is the drama. I've come to the conclusion, and I'll say it with my chest, um, a pfft, awful weekend, awful, awful weekend. And I think another team that had a pretty one decent result on and a bad weekend would be KTM, because obviously Brad Binder was in second, but Miguel fell off, Raul and Remy on the Tech 3 KTMs. I think Raul finished last, and Remy just managed to pick up a point. But then you have to, on the other side, five riders fell off. So, you know, they managed to get so high up because of that. KTM definitely have problems. I have to say, I was, I don't know if I was, hmm, yeah, no, I was
1: disappointed in yeah. because, <laughs> but at the same time, I want to cut him some slack because we don't know if he's fully recovered from his concussion. Sorry. Same time
0: finishing behind Darren Binder is not something you want to do not something i would be proud of anyway no i have to say
2: i'm not disappointed in the tech 3 guys i'm not i'm not disappointed in remy and i'm not disappointed in raul i i mean finishing behind darren bender is
0: something you eventually have to think but, about but do you know um, actually in saying that darren bender had a good race he people did, all weekend, but he had a fantastic race and it's not so much Remy and Raul that I'm disappointed in it is the team surely by now KTM know that they need to take a step up and they are just not doing it those are like Raul won the Moodle 2 or Raul oh, comment there so I Raul <laughs> won the two. see this moral championship comment it's living in my head sorry Remy <laughs> won the Moodle 2 championship Raul obviously being the moral winner you know they deserve better bikes than mm-hmm. than this and yes yeah. it's not the riders i'm disappointed in it's the team it's tech it's ktm as a whole even yes. like Brad Bender had I a mean, great start but other than that awful weekend
2: i mean ktm kind of got it together with their factory team bike i think mm. because otherwise brad probably wouldn't have been to grab p2 um but then again I don't know, Remy and Raul are still rookies and I didn't expect anything from them. I'd expect them to work on themselves, on their riding style and adapt to the class. And for me, it's enough if they just have the bike and learn how to ride. For me, they don't really have to score big points. Um, but I think after a year... You're going to run into the to a problem of where do they go if they have more talent than Brad and Miguel? Do you put them into the KDM, yeah. like team, or do you keep them on the shitty bikes?
0: They'll leave them. They, they only moved up to MotoGP because Yamaha wanted yeah. them. and KTM said no, and then moved him up to MotoGP to get his wish wish of MotoGP but staying with KTM or else he would have stayed at Moto2 and signed a Yamaha contract. The same rumours are spreading with Pedro Acosta. And in my head, you know, there are so many talented Red Bull KTM riders throughout all three classes. But once they get up to that MotoGP class, there is no, you know, there's no chance for them to be competitive.
2: So insane to me because KTM has by far the biggest talent pool. Yeah. Well, apart from, apart from VR 46. <laughs> 46 Writers Academy. But yeah. it, I mean it's a Rossi thing and not like a yeah. factory yeah. thing, you know. And they have so many talented writers. KTM Ayo is absolutely amazing. They're doing so well. And I mean they won um the championship and they they had two two people compete for the championship in Moto 2 and then they get this amazing raw talent Mm -hmm. they can work with and they put them on those bikes. And I mean for this year I'm fine with it. Let them learn, let them develop whatever they don't have to win. For me they don't have to write history just now. Let them do their thing. But then you have to think Either you develop your bike or you lose them.
0: What do yeah. you do? I I do see a few of the KTM riders parting ways, for for sure. And it's it's going to be the same with Yamaha. Um, I thought the same with Suzuki too, but now the Suzuki's have made a step up. Both riders probably have an opportunity to stay there now. I, both of them are making noises about it, but we're going to see it happen. There's going to be some big, big changes in the MotoGP grid with riders that you think you would have thought would stay at one team I, I just I don't see that happening anymore but then it filters out though as well because when you look at Yamaha I mean Toprak wants to come to Moodle GP and he'll only go if he gets a Yamaha ride a factory Yamaha ride that is but if the bike's not there Toprak's not going to come to Moodle GP either and that's a rider I would love to see there but you know these teams need to fix their issues I guess yeah, so we mentioned Mark Marquez earlier. Obviously, Yamaha. Yamaha. I've lost my mind today. Obviously, Honda <laughs> have made a step. Both riders looked great. But in my mind, why was Mark Marquez not on the podium? I think he could have been.
2: I predicted him to do. Um I think Adig is more
1: qualified to talk <laughs> about
2: this, so take over.
1: <laughs> I think Mark didn't end up on the podium because he made a late change in tire choice and went on both soft Uh, on the front and at the rear. Yes, And he was pushing very hard at the beginning of the race. So I thought maybe his performance fell off a bit because of that. I mean, that could be because
2: I remember our stream talking about how the Honda team was incredibly worried about paul Mm -hmm. because they said the way he was riding the way he was pushing for that p1 he slowly but surely ruined his tires and they were like you are not going to make it to the fish line if you keep doing this they
0: were right in that sense because he made that now. it was a big mistake that paul made that obviously allowed bastion and he passed but with mark i was expecting him to be up there, fighting a bit more, having his elbows out a wee bit, but he had a very quiet, quiet race. I think if uh,
1: maybe it's still his physical condition,
0: even though people
1: say, or he says himself, he's feeling fine, he doesn't feel any pain anymore. He's missing out quite a lot of training time. And I'm I'm still not convinced that he's actually completely recovered from his diplopia because his recovery process was on the hush-hush the entire preseason. Yeah, and then from one second to another they were just
0: saying he's completely healed now yeah it it it, yeah it didn't make sense because he initially was meant to miss a test was it and like the bike was reveal and then all of a sudden it's like oh no he's back on it and it was literally only because he'd been passed by doctors as fit to ride so no maybe he isn't as a hundred percent as what he's letting on he is saying that he feels good and that his arm isn't giving him problems but you never know he could just be saying that for for the cameras and for the media but he's still put in a strong weekend he was what fifth it's still it's not to be frowned at it was a good race but I think I did just expect a wee bit more from his comments and his pace. He was looking good at the start of the weekend, but it just seemed to, to fall off a bit. Although he had crashed in the morning, so you never know. That that could have also been mm. part of it. He did, did crash and warm up. but
1: Oh, if we're talking about crashing and Marquez, Alex Marquez didn't have yeah. a good weekend. He crashed mm-hmm. twice in the same lap, just Seven. four corners away. And then... Oh, that was in free practice. Oh, mention. so sorry, I was like, what? <laughs> then in the race. <laughs> race.
0: I've missed a chapter. <laughs> uh, somehow yeah. this man
2: never has a good race when his brother is racing. I don't know, but he's
0: only good when Mark's not there. Like, what's up with that? Mm, it's a weird what? one. I-, I think LCR Honda's going to shake things up this year. Or next year, even, I should say, because... No offense to Taka Nakagami and Alex Marquez, but what the hell is going on down at LCR? They're on. Are they not on the same bikes as Paul Spagna and Mark Marquez? Or I think they are. I uh, thought they bet. were both on twenty oh twenty two bikes. Because if that is the truth, that's disappointing from LCR Honda. But I think that's something that we could talk about for a while. I think mm. we did talk about rookies as well. I think Marco Buzek needs mentioned because until his crash in the race he was by far the top rookie of the weekend and I was heartbroken for him when he crashed out because he was having such a good race I mean he was doing better than Luca Marini who is I'm a big fan big fan of
2: Bez yeah I really like the guy and I think he's going to perform well this season for rookie standards and obviously for being on a like smaller team um a heartbroken for yeah. him to crash out like that because he was he was on a pretty good way um, for the race but
1: whatever I mean this <laughs> is on the same bike as Grissini and yeah they just had a win yeah so yeah. maybe we see but, some great results from him.
0: I think so I hope so genuinely I he looked the most impressive rookie In my mind, this weekend, and hopefully the crash hasn't affected him too much. And when they go to Indonesia, he can come with the same confidence that he had this weekend. And yeah, he he will learn from that. And you know, he has data and stuff now. He's been in a race, so all the best for Marco Busecki. He showed great potential, and I'm I'm excited for that one. He isn't the one that I thought would stand out, but I'm not mad that he is the one standing out because great potential, great rider, great guy so yeah I think I voted
2: him (laughs) I think I voted him rookie of the year in our the sighting lab quiz thing we did before the season started so I'm hoping it comes true like no offense to Remy, Raul Darren or DG but I'd like to see Baz do
0: really well okay so In wrapping up our podcast this week I think a few little honourable mentions should be made with the Grissini win obviously we have to remember the late great Fausto Grassini because the MotoGP team that runs today is now being ran by his wife because unfortunately we lost Fausto last year to COVID-19 but wow what what a team what a what an amazing group of people and I honestly had tears in my eyes watching Bastianini cross the line to take Christini's first win since 2006 and just what a way to do it what an unbelievable way to do it so happy for them
2: it's also the first win for team with a female leader basically yeah absolutely great to see and you could feel the emotion through the screen did you see you her just the, the team
0: five laps to go she was just yeah. in tears and it reduced me to tears too to be honest because the I think f- everyone had forgotten not forgotten but I had sort of not even put two and two together and then I seen those scenes and was like the weight of it just hit me and I was like oh my god yes yeah. this means so much and yeah I think Fausto would be very very proud looking down and there was a lot of points up to the sky and salutes so up to the sky and there was a lovely picture of Aenea Bastianini and his and um, Fausto's wife on the podium and yeah. The it way you at her. Yeah yes. you know the picture it's on B2 Sport and it's just incredible and the smiles on their faces you know it it as much as it was a day of sadness remembering Fausto and the fact that he's not here it was a day of joy too because that all of this is done in his memory and this team way, is in his memory too the
2: way Ineer, in the post-race interview he he said like one sentence and then the first thing he said was Fausto was really pushing me from up there today yeah. and he didn't remember the English word for sky and he just pointed up and yeah. you could see in this moment that he couldn't really think he was so overwhelmed with everything and I was so happy for him for the whole team
0: he, yeah it's he, the feel-good he, story of the season oh already. for sure and like it,
2: first race yeah. first win it's for Brissini
0: what more do you want yeah I seen a few interviews with him where he was just like Grissini you know he was the one who believed in me from the start we started this yeah. journey together which is true they did and now in and MotoGP and he is incredible and we all know his talent and we know he's a fantastic rider and I can see him winning championships in the very near future and it is yeah. all thanks to Fausto and that Grissini team who are doing an amazing job and hopefully his teammate Fabio Di can also make some steps up this season. I'm really excited to see him. I'm a big fan of his as well. So, yeah, for Fausto, that was a, a pretty good one. And I think one of, one of the best stories I think we'll have this season for sure. Yeah. And last but not least, can't go a podcast podcasts without, without mentioning old <laughs> Valentino Rossi, can we? <laughs> yeah. He had his baby girl at the start of the race weekend. I think that had to be uh I think that's why perfect me, timing. And, yeah, Mino and Vielli sort of went, Congrats, Valet. We'll take <laughs> two wins for you. Did you
2: did you see? I mean, it was obviously perfect timing with his daughter being born the day MotoGP GP came back. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you how you does could this not write happen? it? You could not write perfect. it. Perfect. Then his academy writers obviously won races. <laughs> and I I saw this story. I, I laughed. It was so funny. Peko um texted Vale saying, Hey, congrats on the birth of your daughter. So happy for you. And the only thing Vale texted him back was, Why did you crash on turn six? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know, but this describes the relationship between Peko and Vale so well. I don't know what to say. I think I just think it's hilarious.
0: We did talk about that. <laughs> I can't remember what podcast episode it was, but we were like that. Valentino used to try and hypnotize Peko with his tire choices. I can imagine that that text message probably still happened again this weekend. Of this yeah. is probably the tire choice you should go for this weekend. Pecco. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the thanks for the nice messages, but <laughs> by the way, so. Yeah, I think we have to give a wee, a wee shout out to Valentino and his girlfriend Francesca uh, on the birth of their beautiful baby girl, Giulietta, um, gorgeous name. It's going to be an amazing wee family and we wish them all the best from all of us here at the Siding Lap podcast. You never know, maybe she'll be a motorbike racer. She's got good <laughs> genes. <laughs> but anyway, I think that is... Us for our first race review of the season. Now, I'm sure you guys have noticed that both Carly and I know it couldn't be with us today, but hopefully they'll be with us after the next race of the season. We will be back again next week with another podcast episode where we run you through all of the terms, everything you need to know about motorbike racing and Moto GP. It'll be really good. It's sort of like a beginner's guide, really. So keep a wee eye out for that one, and we will see you guys. Don't forget to
2: uh, subscribe to our Instagram so you don't miss our <laughs> shitty predictions anymore.
1: I was oh, really going to that out true. <laughs> and Twitter, we do live tweeting
0: during all the sessions uh, during your race weekend, which is also quite fun. I think we've just discovered that my head is like a sieve today. So yeah, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at The Siding Lab. We'll be back next week with another podcast episode. And then we'll be back again for the next race weekend where we are going to be in indonesia very excited for that so thanks very much for listening and we'll see you guys next week